The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome in to episode 254 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR Podcast Network. Sources Say is, as always, brought to you by our good friends at Justice Dental. Visit one of their two Lexington locations. That's on Blazer Parkway and Wellington Way by scheduling an appointment online at justicedental.com or by calling 859-543-0700. You can even send a text message to one of their friendly team members at the same number to ask a question or make an appointment. Now is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Dr. Thompson, Dr. Justice, and their team strive to provide you with good oral health and a comfortable environment, the Justice Dental team. Looks forward to seeing you soon. I'm your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Uh, very happy to be joined once again by the one and only Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you? I'm doing fantastic, Jack. How are you today? Oh, I'm excited that we have a little drama. We it's a, It's been a kind of a quiet week just in terms of actual news. Um, we did our preview of Ugana Onyenso's decision last week. And I mean, within like four or five hours, he ended up making that decision public uh, that he was going to be returning to the University of Kentucky. I'll get your thoughts on that uh, and just what it means, significance of that, and and just kind of carving out what this rotation is going to look like, especially in the front court. There's the conversation about Aaron Bradshaw saying he wants to play the four. How does that play into it? But we, we finally get some some drama. We get some news and some some rumblings going on this week about uh, the dynamic of Oscar Shibway versus uh, Hunter Dickinson, the possibility of Kentucky getting one of those two individuals. Um, so I guess let's start there, Sean. Hunter or Oscar? It's it's such a complicated question. One that I'm glad I don't have to answer as a head coach uh, going through this process, knowing just how valuable Oscar Sheboy has been as a University of Kentucky Wildcat, while also understanding that he's going through the draft process and is prioritizing that. How do you juggle that decision while also having a guy like Hunter Dickinson, who has made it clear that he would like to be at Kentucky? Uh, it, it makes a, a make, makes for a really difficult decision on Cal's end, but also makes for uh, interesting debate for morons like you and me. It's uh, it's amazing how things change, right? Like talking a week ago and we'd kind of ruled out that Hunter Dickinson even possibly being an option. And then here we are sitting here today talking about him again with Oscar Sheboy. And it's a difficult decision, right? Like Oscar, a two-time All-American, National Player of the Year, SEC Player of the Year, what he's done at Kentucky. Uh, on the other hand, you got Hunter Dickinson, who I think would elevate Kentucky offensively in some areas and would help with some. I know that they're, they're both high usage guys, the way that they, they had been, especially, you know, with Oscar and stuff and, and things. But Dickinson was a, a really high usage guy at Michigan this past year. So 
I think both, regardless of which one it is, if, if either one of them are at Kentucky, they'd have to play differently than they have in the past, given what Kentucky's roster is going to look like. But I'm going to lean Oscar just because of the familiarity with the program and, and being in the program for two years and knowing this fan base and the fan base falling in love with him and just what he does on the glass. And I think that he can impact the game different and in a probably in a better way with a lower usage rate than Hunter Dickinson can just because of his ability to hit the offensive glass and finish plays around the rim. That's why I'd lean Oscar. Now, if you want to help with spacing, Dickinson's still going to do some stuff in the post, but he can step out and stretch the floor better than Oscar can. So that would help. But it's man, that's a decision that I am glad I do not have to make. But if Kentucky gets either one of them, I think Kentucky's, you know, interior is looking really good next year. But I just feel like rolling it back with Oscar out of the two, honestly, would be my pick at this point. And I guess it's more of a timing concern because I think if if you could guarantee you get Hunter Dickinson right now, if you were to commit tomorrow, I think that's a reality that Kentucky fans would probably be comfortable with knowing that, okay, well, there's a chance that Oscar, you wait on Oscar and he ends up not coming at all. Uh, you, you would rather get one rather than neither. And if you know he's going to come right now, then that, that's obviously a scenario that, that Kentucky has to weigh. And it is one that they are weighing. I've been told that uh, if Hunter went to Kentucky tomorrow and said, let's make this happen, I'm ready to, to commit, Kentucky would take his commitment. And I think that's news. Like that's, That is worthwhile and something to keep in mind because I think that's also a tell of where they are thinking things are trending with Oscar Shibway. If they were operating under the assumption and, and had the impression on Oscar's side that there was a significant chance that he was coming back, I think they would tell Hunter thanks, but no thanks. Considering the other options Hunter has, Maryland's making a strong push. He's visiting Kansas on uh, Thursday. I'm told those are the two leaders in, in his recruitment right now. Um, obviously, Maryland being kind of the NIL perspective, they're ready to kind of throw the bag at him. Uh, Kansas being the national title contender and, and kind of being able to offer the exposure at a blue blood uh, that he's looking for on that end. I think those are the two favorites right now, but Hunter has made it clear to Kentucky that he would like to be a Kentucky if things worked out in that direction and they did decide to move on from Oscar Shibway, but it's a time timing decision on that end, Sean uh, Hunter's not going to wait around forever. And also, you know, also Kentucky's not going to wait around forever for Oscar. So it makes for a really tricky timeline on John Calipari's end. Yeah, and, and that's what I was going to add. Like, if, if Hunter wanted to commit tomorrow, then my pick would be Hunter Dickinson. Like, I, I think that you go with whoever, like you said, the timing. Whichever one has the better timing in this situation, I think Kentucky rolls with that. But I was just coming from a familiarity standpoint of playing in this program and knowing what it takes. I think there's a significant advantage for Oscar having done that for two years, having been a, having been a part of this program two and a half years, going back to that COVID season, too. So I think that there's – some legs to that as well and, and a benefit there for him. But either one Kentucky gets, if that if that's how it works out, can Kentucky's going to be fine at that spot given what they have to roll around it. And I think that Ugo coming back is is a big piece and, and helps in that area. And then you you got Bradshaw there at the four. It's amazing how once we got off that podcast last week, just all the news decided to go. Like everything <laughs> that we've been talking about. If they had waited maybe just another hour, we were able to talk about it. But uh, we kind of had the lead on it, and uh, then the news broke. Uh, it is what it is. And 
I guess the concern on Kentucky side and just talking to people around the program and that, that know that have talked to Hunter and know how um, what his mindset is right now, he has informed Kentucky that he would like to be here. That that is that that's a fact. They're also concerned and are, you know, I said on the show a couple of weeks back when Hunter even popped up as a possibility that they were moving forward cautiously, optimistically, like that they, they liked what they had heard, but also understand that there's a lot at play with NIL and they understand that he could make a ton of money wherever he goes. And that by going to a blue blood program, like the university of Kentucky and having them say, Hey, we want you here. Let's bring you in here's what our typical NIL pitch is. We're not going to make any guarantees. And that's something Kentucky's made clear, but uh, here's what a player of your caliber could probably make here in Lexington. They're worried that he's going to take that information and go straight back to Maryland or Kansas or wherever and say, this is the going rate for me, match it, or I'm going to Kentucky and kind of using the other schools against each other for leverage. So Kentucky likes where things stand with Hunter, but at the same time, no, that they're not going to get used either. So they're treading lightly in that direction as well, that um, they understand that this could be a leverage play as well. And and again, I've heard that Maryland and, and Kansas, Maryland probably the, the leader from just an NIL perspective and being home, DMV area, all of that, uh, while also Kansas has the blue blood factor uh, that he's also, uh, you know, uh, that appeals to him as well. But watch out for NIL and just the leverage play uh, Kentucky isn't going to get used in that regard either. And and unfortunately that's kind of just the, the nature of the beast. It, it just does. It feels like he is going to all the big blue blood programs and trying to drum up interest only to go back to Maryland and have them say, cut, cut me a check for X number of dollars and we, we've got a deal. So he's visited Maryland. He's visited Georgetown. He's visiting Kansas on Thursday. Um, Things could move rather quickly. I know that there's the talk that he wants to commit at the end of this week uh, that hasn't been shut down completely. But I will also add that Oscar Sheboy is not in a position to make a decision imminently. Like he has NBA workouts scheduled, like talking to people. Like I talked to his agent this afternoon and, and they said, I don't know how you could even come to that uh, conclusion when he has NBA workouts scheduled in May. So if you're waiting, if, if it's going to be a one or the other game and kind of this deadline at the end of the week thing, Oscar's not in position to make that type of guarantee because his first and foremost priority is to go pro and see uh, if he can live live out his NBA dream. So if it does come down to time, uh, I don't think Oscar's going to be able to provide that for uh, for Cal, Sean. Yeah, and to me, the the only way Kentucky loses in the situation is if they get neither, right? Like if, if they're looking up in, in late May and – Hunter Dickinson somewhere else and Oscar Sheboy is playing professional basketball in, in some capacity, like, or for the, maybe the, the part that nobody wants to talk about is in an, in another college basketball Jersey. I, I don't expect that, but uh, I'm with you though. Like I just, I feel like the time frame here is that it kind of seems like the ball is in Hunter's court, right? Like if, if he decides, Hey, I want to come there. Can we make this work? then there's probably that shuts the door on Oscar Sheboy for a possible third year at Kentucky. Because, I mean, if you're Kentucky, you have to take the one that wants to come and whoever says, it's me, I want it. You got to take it because they're two really good players. They do different things. But I could also envision a scenario here where getting Hunter Dickinson and getting a 
change of scenery and something different could benefit Kentucky. It could be a different approach. I think the fan base to me would be mixed on this. I don't know what the comments look like, but I'm sure there's some saying Oscar, of course, Oscar. And then there's others that are saying Hunter Dickinson. I just think that that's the divide we have. Whichever one Kentucky gets, I think Kentucky's going to be fine on the interior. But it is a def- it's definitely an interesting situation to follow, and it does have some drama to it. And I guess my concern with it is just from an outsider's perspective and why I kind of think, again, this is just my knowing what I know and an outsider's perspective kind of putting everything together. Part of me thinks that Kentucky and Oscar are playing chicken with one another, that they, uh, you, you know, Oscar, when the offseason began, you know, his agent and the people around Oscar kind of say, here's what we're looking for. If we want to come back to Kentucky, take it or leave it. Kentucky says, we're not going to do that here. We're not making, we're, you know, reaching any demands like just because that's what you made this past year or what you're looking for in a return doesn't mean that we're going to guarantee that you may by coming back to Kentucky. We know we have the best platform in branding opportunities than, than anywhere else in college basketball. If you, if you think you can get that, then by all means come back, but we're not going to play this back and forth game of, you know, we're not going to negotiate like this isn't, this isn't a negotiation. This is, if you want to come back, it's going to be for the betterment of of the team. We're not going to guarantee minutes, uh, touches, roll, all of that stuff. Uh, That's just not a game Cal is willing to play this off season and and this time around. And I, I think the Hunter Dickinson situation, it almost feels like as much as Hunter may be using Kentucky as leverage, that Kentucky could also be using Hunter as leverage to just say, we have another really, really viable option. Like we have a, an, uh, another person, an all-American caliber guy that has expressed interest in coming to Kentucky. We're not going to be held hostage by you, Oscar, or the you know people around you that want to make decisions. And, and I think that's kind of uh, the the match that we're kind of seeing the back end, the, the tennis match that we're seeing. A uh, Oscar's people want one thing. Kentucky is not willing to do that but also knowing that Oscar's going to make more at Kentucky than he will anywhere else. Definitely more than he's going to make in the pro on a two-way, you know, he's going to make 500 K on a two-way deal in the NBA. I mean, Kentucky could, he'd surpass that by triple quadruple in Lexington next season. So I think it's kind of one of those back and forth chicken games that I know Kentucky would take a hunter's commitment today because they understand the value that he'd be able to bring, but also kind of, hoping that Oscar and the people around him kind of come to their senses and know that the draft feedback isn't going to be what they're waiting, what they're hoping for the NIL elsewhere. If he were to hit the portal or anything like that, that's not going to be what he's looking for. And when push comes to shove, a reunion would be made in that way. I think that's just outsider's perspective looking in. That's, that's my read on the situation. Just my hunch. Yeah. Oscar is who he is at this point as a professional prospect and and coming back to Kentucky for another year doesn't change that because he's going to be a year older and things. So like he, he knows what those evaluations are going to be and what those workouts are going to be. People have seen him. So I, I think that it all comes down to, does he want to go through that process? Does he have some hope that there's going to be a team that, that takes a two-way deal? But like you said, that two-way deal, it's, it's still significantly less money than what he would make at Kentucky. Heck he made that in like a week in the Bahamas back in the summer. Like, <laughs> he did. I mean, he literally if, did. If not more. So, I mean, I just – to me, I think it's a no-brainer if money is the, the driving factor here for Oscar. I think that returning to Kentucky for a third season is the the right thing to do. 
Uh, in Kentucky's stance, though, I think the right thing to do is to take the guy that decides to do it first because you can't be sitting here. Neither one of those guys is going to feel sorry for you in June if they're not on your roster and you're standing, sitting there looking at a, a vacant spot on the interior that someone else has to fill. You feel it, and you've you got to worry about yourself here in this in this moment. Like, Kentucky's been good to Oscar for two years. If Kentucky can get Hunter Dickinson, you take him. If Oscar wants to be here, I think you take him. Like, I, I just think that that's the decision that has to be made. Yeah, it's tough. I guess how – knowing what we know now that – Ugo's back, Ugan Onion. So, I mean, literally hours after we did our last show or we said it's coming down the pike, be ready for it. Uh, Ugo will be back in, in Lexington. He ends up uh, announcing that he's back uh, later on in the evening. Uh, how does that factor into what Kentucky is looking for in the front court while also factoring in Aaron Bradshaw very clearly putting on his Instagram page that uh, he would like to play the four? Like that's the position he wants to play in Lexington how do you navigate those waters having Ugo back officially while also factoring in kind of the role that Aaron Bradshaw would like to play? Well, I, I think what it did is it gives Kentucky options for what they do add. They, they don't have to go get a rim protector anymore. That doesn't have to be a part of it because we know that Ugo's going to fill that role. Now, if, if Ugo's able to play a higher number of minutes like we expect him to be able to do and we expect him to play those minutes this year, then he's going to protect the rim for Kentucky. So you're not having to just look for a rim protector. If he had not been on this roster, Kentucky was primarily looking at what? A shot blocker of some kind, someone that could affect the game with his length at the rim. You don't have to do that now. That's why I said it's appealing for Oscar to come back as long as Ugo is part of the package. Mm -hmm. The same thing with Dickinson. Like to me, Hunter, if I do think Kentucky would get better defensively, at that spot with Hunter Dickinson, just because of the added length that he has on his frame. Now he's not a better, much better defender than Oscar, but when you're six nine, you're comparing it to what seven foot seven one. You you have some added length there that's just going to make you longer and harder to score over than Oscar is. Oscar at six nine is undersized at that spot. At least Dickinson has the frame to be disruptive at that spot too. So I think just Ugo coming back it gives Kentucky some security and kind of what they can target here. Let's say it's neither one of these guys. Let's say that Dickinson goes to Maryland and let's say that Oscar decides to pursue a professional basketball route. Then Kentucky looks at the portal again and they kind of can get creative with what they want to add. Do they want to add a guy at the four that can stretch the spot there? I, I don't know. Like, do you bump Bradshaw to the five if needed when you're doing some things? But still, I don't I don't know. There, there's a lot of decisions that John Calipari has to make, but Jackie has options. Like Ugo coming back, I thought gave gave him options. That's what I thought was so important about that decision. Is that a bad thing? You know, like if yeah, you might have to completely change your style of play, but you don't have to go find just this anchoring big in the portal. You know, if it's not going to be Hunter, if it's not going to be Oscar, you don't have to go find a big plodding seven footer just for the sake of doing it. You can go find a versatile kind of uh, strength, brute force kind of guy, for, you know, a guy who can play the three or the four or, you know, have a face-up game at the four, whatever. It, it does allow you to kind of – or put Justin Edwards at the four. Like, if you could get – and I've talked to Justin's people. They're comfortable playing the four. I know we've gone through the whole back and forth with um, – with Chris Livingston and how he wasn't comfortable playing the four position and, and all that this past season, you have it 
not on record, but from Chris, from uh, Justin's people, that if Cal thinks it's best for him to play the four as a versatile kind of mismatch kind of guy, they're cool with it. I mean, he's he's very content with who he is as a basketball player and what he plans to bring to the table. He knows he can make an impact at any position, two through four. So that also kind of plays into this. Do you uh, then recruit just another pure wing, or do you go get another Jacob Toppin esque kind of guy? Uh, it does allow Cal to get. I, I don't think that there's a desperation factor that I think on paper it seems, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and I, I think that that was the the importance of that decision and him returning a week ago was one you roll it you run it back with a guy who's been in your program for a year, been here since August, and and I think that that's the appeal to having Oscar Shibway too. I think that look, Ugo was here, but he's still a mystery, right? Like he's, he's still this guy that going into next year that you kind of I still view as a freshman entering next season because we didn't see much of him. We saw him in limited action in the non-conference, and we saw him a little bit against Alabama, and then not again. Maybe a few minutes in the Georgia game at Rupp Arena, but other than that, we're kind of still out in the unknown area about what he can be, and I think that that's exciting. Like that's exciting about all these guys, like DJ Wagner, Rob Dillingham, Justin Edwards. There's all this buzz around them because of the potential and the upside. I think you can throw Ugo in that category as well. So I, I do think that it gave John Calipari some options to kind of piece this roster out in the interior how he wants. Uh, but to me, Oscar Shibway, Hunter Dickinson, e- either one that you add, I think Kentucky's going to be a preseason top five team with, with everyone's on the roster. I don't know if one of them sways it the other way or not. Like I think that you, you just about view Kentucky the same. They would do some things differently, especially offensively. Not much would change defensively at that spot, but offensively, I think that they would do some different things. I think you you get a better passer in Dickinson than what Oscar is. I think that he's a guy that can make some some plays and stuff out of the post that Oscar cannot do. But you also lose that guy that just cleans up literally every single rebound. So there's positives to it, and there, there's negatives to it. I think that there's uh, they're complete two entirely different players that are high usage rates the last couple of years. But either one of them at Kentucky would have to do less than what they did this past season. And I think that's the thing that you look at here. Who's willing to do less and fit into whatever their role is going to be on this team? If it's Hunter and he's willing to, to sacrifice and do some things, then I like it. If it's Oscar, I like it too. I like both guys. Yeah, looking at uh, the comment feed and some of the questions, Richie Lanza asked uh, McKenzie and Baco. A couple of people ask about McKenzie. Uh, Kentucky is not going to be pursuing McKenzie uh, Jack is gone. Not sure what happened there. So uh, Jack will be in here soon. But as he was saying there, uh, Stephen? Yeah, we're working to get him back. Um, okay. Jack is still working on some Wi-Fi issues in the yeah. in his area. So Go figure the guy sitting in the car is the guy that has the, the good thing in the last couple of weeks. What are the chances of that? We got him back, though. We got him back. Okay. Because – Nice magic trick. And he's gone again. Uh, just wanted, <laughs> to, just wanted to pick it up from from there. Um, 
and uh, Baco, I noticed somebody said he might go to Louisville. I'm being in Louisville, being surrounded by Louisville fans. They're they're pretty excited about what um, what they might have in store for next year. Uh, just until uh, Jack gets back, uh, what do you think? What do you think about that? I mean, is Louisville back as a rival? Because I feel like we've kind of missed missed that. I think the Louisville being decent or even relevant is good for the state. It's obviously good for, for that rivalry and, and things, but yeah. And you know, Jack was talking that Kentucky's not going to make a play there. And I don't think that that's a surprise at all. I don't think that that was even a, a play at all. When, when all that broke a week ago with, with him, you know, requesting out of his uh, letter of intent and things like that. I just don't think that that situation makes any sense at this point, given what Kentucky's had in the front court and, Steven, you, you don't want to go after a guy like that and then have one of your guys that you have in the fold request out of their letter of intent. So there's right, right. there's that. Like once you get through that signing day and, and a guy signs elsewhere that you have recruited and you've taken another guy, it kind of makes it difficult and messy in my opinion. But look, Louisville, Kenny, Kenny has an approach right now that I think that he's trying to do everything it takes. I mean, when you win four games – you kind of want to do anything you can, right, to, to get it right and get it right quick. Like four games at Louisville, that's not acceptable. And I know that it was a rough year, and they will be better than what they were. But yeah. maybe you definitely even win eight. Yeah, eight, eight, right, as long as it's not the the one at the Yum Center at some point whenever that schedule comes out. But, no, I, I do think that that game – I'll just say this real, real quick. The Louisville fans are treating Mbaco as like a recruiting win over Kentucky, which I just I, – I think that's funny, you know, especially as hearing you guys talk about that's, that wasn't really um, – No, and, and much that, recruitment, that recruitment on Kentucky's end stopped a long time ago and, yeah. and things. So, I mean, that's – at one point, yeah, that was a guy that was on Kentucky's radar and near the top of it. And now could be playing up the road. You got Sky Clark. I mean, there's there's yeah. a lot of storylines there that I think that Louisville fans and it makes it interesting. But uh, Kenny doing everything he can to get that right and uh, right that ship and put it and sailing in the right direction. And look, after you win four games, you got to try anything you can. And that that would be a that, that's that's a significant win for them if, uh, if that's where it goes. They're getting really. I'll tell you this: they're getting really cocky here already. I mean, a lot of confidence for a team that. Uh, won just four games it's amazing um and then you know, they're, they're looking at their recruiting and and yeah things can change fast in the transfer portal era but um i don't know I mean, we know it didn't work out for kentucky two years ago but after that nine and 16 year you know kentucky hit the portal hard and for the regular season they got it right and and got those guys and had oscar had Savier and kellen grady like we know that the the transfer portal can change things for you quickly and rapidly so uh, Louisville's hoping to, to grab onto some of that you know being in the ACC I mean uh, Mbaco going from from Duke if he ends up at Louisville like it's I mean it's uh, definitely an interesting dynamic and uh, that's the that's the world we live in today Stephen somebody can uh, be out of their letter of intent and playing somewhere else in in two weeks and some of those moves significantly change the landscape of college basketball some of them don't and the portal is one of those that play here that we're talking about with uh, Hunter Dickinson at Kentucky. We, a week ago, me and Jack weren't even kind of factoring that in as even an option. We thought that that Zoom meeting was kind of just a fill-it-out type situation. Then you kind of get to a point here we are a week later talking about it being a viable option for Kentucky if they want it to be. Uh, so things change quickly this time of year, especially in Lexington. And uh, Kentucky's roster 
looks like it's starting to at least uh, have some scenarios play out with Ugo coming back. And I, I thought that that was a massive get for Kentucky. I know Jack uh, probably want to talk a little bit more about that whenever he gets back in here. Hopefully he gets yeah. back in here. Is there anything else in the comments? Uh, yeah, uh, there's, uh, there's a lot and a lot of participation going on over there. Um, somebody said we need Reeves to come back and one big man you know like okay so with with that onion so um playing as a big i mean i do like his shot blocking ability i like his jump shot we might have jack back but uh, as i send it over uh, to you sean you know i'll get jack back in but does having onion so uh what, what kind of role do you see him playing um i just i don't know if he's somebody who's gonna you know, shut down a lot of guys on the on the defensive end. I mean, he's a good rim protector, and I like having somebody back there because the way Cal wants to play defense, it, it, you know, it'll make a difference. Well, but and I'll I'll hang up and listen. Perfect. So to me, with with Ugo, as as Jack's getting back in here, to to me with Ugo, I was I was nervous if Ugo was going to be the only option Kentucky had at that position. Like if that if Kentucky went all in on Ugo being their guy, I was concerned about it. Just given that there is an unknown there, and I thought that that was a risky play. I mean, it's a risky play when you're talking DJ Wagner, Rob Dillingham, and a young backcourt, right? That's why there's an importance of having Antonio Reeves come back to that backcourt. But I just thought it would be a risky move to just go with Ugo alone. But now that Ugo is in the fold, you have the ability to add someone else to that spot, and if you can add a guy like Dickinson or add Oscar Shibwe back for a third year. I think one, it makes the job of Ugo and of Ugo easier, and it kind of allows him to transition into whatever role that ends up being. And, and Jack, I, I want your thoughts on this. Like when college basketball seasons start, coaches have an envisioned role for each player on their roster. Not often do those things play out. They're usually shuffling by December because things don't play out the way you expect them, and guys play different roles. I just think it gives Kentucky options that Ugo is back. And it takes some pressure off of him having to be the guy every single second, every single minute at the five. But when we're talking role, to me, a role for him is to block shots and help Kentucky be a an elite transition team because some of those shot blocks are going to lead to this Kentucky backcourt getting out and running. Yeah, and Ugo did such great things in short spurts this past season. And uh, I guess – you have to utilize him. I, I, if, if you're going to have him, I think you got, you got to utilize him and, and put him in position to succeed. Uh, and, and you're able to be more versatile and, and um, depending on how the rest of this roster shakes up and, and who else they add and, and the style of play, uh, it will be very interesting to me. But uh, I, I do think that uh, no matter – am I even coming through right now? Uh, you just – kind of blurred up on me, Sean. Am I even coming through? Yeah, you're good. You're good on my end. All right. Steven, take over for an, another very short bit. I'm going to go through my, my last backup plan here. Just, uh... Okay. I've, I've got it. I've got him on my end. Yeah, he seemed, yeah, he seemed fine. Uh, but I guess he couldn't hear you or something, so. Technical um, difficulties. The source to yeah. say podcasts. We're going to change uh, yeah. the name of this. Yeah, let's don't. Yeah, this, this is this is uh, this is what the show is. So, um, but a lot of people keep talking about Reeves, and I completely completely agree with that. I I like those guards that are coming in next year, but if you don't have somebody who can who can light you up from three, at least have 
at least somebody that they got to come out and guard. I'll tell you what, Wagner's shot looks okay. Dillingham's shot is okay. What did he shoot? 30 something percent from the field. Um, you know, some of that might be shot selection, but I feel like you, I mean, Reeves is, is the key. Like he has to come back. And I, and I know that Jack says that's very likely. What do you think? Yeah, I think that that's one of the most important decisions of the offseason is to, to get him back. And, Stephen, you're, you're talking about a guy at Arkansas that scored 37 and he attempted four three-pointers. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's a guy that can score the basketball. It doesn't always have to come from the three-point line. It can come yeah. from the yeah. middle ball screen. It can come from him uh, playing off the ball. I, I think the role that he had to play this year, he, he was asked to do more than what I thought he was expected of coming into Kentucky. Given the injuries to Savir and and some other things there, I, I think that it kind of created maybe in the moment possibly an unfair thing for him, but in the long run, maybe a positive because I think he's going to come back and and be a a player that has seen a lot of different things and experienced a lot of different things. He's played with the ball in his hands. He's played off the basketball at Kentucky. I think that that better prepares him for another year in Lexington and on a roster where we expect DJ Wagner to dominate with the ball in his hands. And when Rob's in the game, he's going to have the ball in his hands. And Mm -hmm. if you need a guy that you can play through late with the ball, Reeves can do it. If you need him run off some of that floppy action, those baseline runners that that Kentucky does, then you got him there too, doing some things. So I do think that he is very important and uh, very vital to what Kentucky does long-term a year from now. And uh, I, I think it's to me, for both sides, I just think it's a no-brainer to to work out another year at Kentucky, and I, I think that both sides view that that way. I think Reeves can make a lot of money here mm-hmm. next season. I think that he starts on this roster. I think he slides in and, and plays that that other guard spot. And, yeah, uh, that's going to be an interesting dynamic too, and how Calipari is able to manage that because well, you got Rob he wants to start, and that's going yeah, to be hard. Yeah. yeah. To me, Rob is one of those guys that you see succeed in the tournament that can come in and, and is dynamic and, and shifty and can hit shots and hit tough shots. He's also going to take some shots that's going to leave you scratching your head and probably want to throw your remote through the TV. Like we, we know that that's going to happen, but you get you get the good with the bad with Rob. And when the good is good, it's really good. Like he's shifty, he's dynamic, he's electric. And I think that that's going to be exciting for Kentucky fans. But I think Reeves, Reeves can be the steady hand that Kentucky needs, that late in games that Kentucky goes to and, and they need a bucket and, and some things like that. But, I mean, look in the highlights you're pop, pulling up here. I mean, Rob is Rob shifty. Like, Rob, I mean, he he thinks he's that guy and he, he plays like that guy. And th- there's – to me, the, the difference with this group coming in, Steven, this is from a collective whole. This is from DJ to Rob to Justin to, to all of them. They not only do they look the part, they act the part. They mm-hmm. they talk the part. And you heard it at McDonald's. And the years that Kentucky's guys have gone down there and kind of spoke highly of what they can do and the confidence that kind of beams off them, those are the guys that it works out for at Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And I think that th- I think that this group is set up to have some success. And I think that's why it's vital that they get a veteran guy back like Antonio Ruiz in the backcourt. Yep, absolutely. All right. Uh, well, we had Jack. Um, see if <laughs> we're we getting can... a little bit of everything on this show today a little bit right. of everything it's been good um, but but yeah I mean I think I, I left this comment up because I completely agree with this I mean that class that Cal brought in for his first season if they 
they needed a shooter. I know they ended up having to settle for Darnell Dodson, who was he was fine, but what a difference. Jody Meeks, I mean, that team might go 40 and 0. Um, they've become practically unguardable. And if Reeves does what, what and like you said, it's not even just hitting threes. It's like he's dangerous because he can hit threes, but because he can put the ball on the floor and hit that that smooth runner that he has. Um, so, I mean, I, I totally agree with this comment here that bringing Reeves back could be just as big as if, uh, if you return Jody Meeks. Um, not that I would compare them. Uh, no. If, uh, I thought Meeks maybe did a better job of creating his own shot uh, from three. Um, and they are kind of different players. Meeks maybe just a little bit better. Uh, but, but as far as somebody who we've seen able to light it up, as long as it's not the round of 32 in the NCAA tournament, um, and it, yeah, and if and if that scenario had played out in 2010, right? Like Meeks would have taken fewer shots a year later. His role would have his role would have changed, but what he performed and the things that he did well wouldn't have. Like shooting the basketball, that would have been the the role for him. That team would have put it would have pushed Darius Miller to the bench, and you would have pulled Miller off the bench, which then makes Kentucky deeper. That's the case with this, in my opinion is it allows a guy like Rob to kind of come in and, and if, if Rob starts, if he comes off the bench, if, if it's Justin, like it, it doesn't matter. Like it gives Kentucky some depth and some options and a different look that you can put a lineup out there that in not, even if DJ's not a part of it, you want to throw Rob with the ball in his hands with, with Reeves and with Justin and, and whatever else Kentucky wants to do. I just think it gives Cal options. And I expect Reeves to be back. I know Jack and, and stuff has talked about that in recent weeks, and that's a that's one that we're following here. And uh, he made that decision early to you know test the waters and play out that process. And I, I would I would be shocked if he's not at Kentucky, just given the way that it. I think there's a perfect fit for both sides. Uh, Six man of the year in the SEC. I, I don't think that that's the role he would play in another year, Stephen. I, I think that the role would be starter from day one just given the experience because Kentucky needs that in its backcourt yeah I mean I think that I agree with you guys that I, th I think he's going to come back um, which I mean it's huge and it's I mean this is this is where you know people are kind of getting impatient and uh, this, there's a lot of you all talked about it a lot last year this is there's a lot of pressure in this class um, having somebody come back with with leadership and Somebody who's been through it is gonna is gonna be huge, especially you know somebody who's gonna start. Um, uh, I, you know, you look at what that lineup could be. Um, I mean, you're right. You have depth. I think Onyenso gives you great depth, um, and I like that. I like that Cal is gonna let Aaron Bradshaw shoot the ball because that was that's been one of my. Once I saw Aaron Bradshaw play, I was like, he needs to be like, he can shoot the three, like yeah. let him go. Let him that's, that's what he's going to do in the NBA. So let him do it at Kentucky. You know, I don't want to see him like Carl Towns winning a three point, three point shooting contest, you know, after for a year, he, his family's like, Cal, we want him shooting threes. And he's like, well, he's not going to do that here, which is, I get it. He wants them to build up other parts of their game, but Onyenso can shoot. Um, Aaron Bradshaw can shoot. Kentucky's got some unguardable kind of players. Um, do you think, though, that um, how big is losing Chris Livingston? 
And I know that happened. You all said that's going to happen. It happened like immediately uh, once we got done with the show. But how big is that? Yeah, I'm, I'm mixed on that one as well. Like I, I do think that if if Chris were to play a sophomore season at Kentucky, I, I think that you would see him – I think his numbers would, would go up significantly. I think he'd be a significantly better player than what he was the freshman just given – the year in college basketball, but I just don't, I don't think he's an impossible guy to replace if, if that makes sense. And I'm, that's no knock on him. Like I, w- I would love to see Chris back because I think that, that Chris can, can do some things and uh, his upside and stuff and progression from freshman year to sophomore year, I think would be a gigantic leap. It would not be the leap that Terrence Jones took or PJ Washington took. Like it, it would not be yeah. to me of, of that stature, just given what Kentucky does have coming in, and it's got some ball-dominant guards. So the basketball is not going to be in Chris's hands as much. So maybe you're better suited for a guy that can can maybe knock down knock down some shots from that spot at the three. or And that, that's the other side of the, of the Reeves coming back scenario. You can also throw DJ and Rob in there together and slide Reeves to the three alongside, you know, Bradshaw at the four. And you've got some shooters off the ball with with guards that can get into the lane. Uh, I would like to see – I would have loved to have seen Chris at Kentucky another season. But to me, Stephen, that's not the one that I think that makes or breaks what Kentucky does in 23-24. That, that wasn't, to me, the decision. I don't even think that Ugo was that decision, honestly. I, I thought that Kentucky could have survived there – with maybe a, a land in the portal or the return of, of Oscar or, or something different there. Like, I don't think that either of those decisions would have been fatal, but I do think that of the two, mm-hmm. if we're talking Chris Livingston or Ugo, I think Ugo's the more important piece, just given that he does the one thing that nobody else on Kentucky's roster does, and that's protect the rim. And I think Justin Edwards is going to be a really dynamic player at that three spot if they want to slide him to the four, if you want to move him to the two with his size, I just think that he's a dynamic guy that's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. Yeah, I mean, and, and you're right. I, I I do wonder, you know, that I really thought that Cal gave him a chance to play at the four last year. Um, that's where I wanted him. That's where you wanted him too, I know. And, and I thought that that could have been another chance for that role this year uh, because – you know, you start to um, – you look at the roster. I mean, you know, you look at who's going to play the four. I mean, Aaron Bradshaw at seven foot. Do you worry that smaller fours are going to be able to go around him? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, yeah, but he has the length to, to be disruptive. And you've also got Ugo behind him, possibly, as, as, yeah. as it stands right now when it comes to what's on this roster. My more more of my concern with with Bradshaw would be playing the four offensively and something off the bounce 
and and having to to dribble and and make some moves and stuff at that spot because if you're going to play that spot, you're going to have to do that, Simon. I thought that that's where Chris, that's where Justin, that's where some other guys that maybe can slide and play that role if you know would fit it better. But Bradshaw has the ability to knock down some threes and and do some things, and I think Jack is still having some trouble getting back in here. But Stephen, we'll we'll carry it as is and do what we we have to do to to make this thing work. But Kentucky is a team that, and and it's it's hard right now because we don't have the finished product, right? Like we don't know, and that's going that's going to be the fun episode. And I would say mid May to third week of May is probably when we know what Kentucky's roster looks like, given NBA decisions and transfer portal wrapping up and all that stuff. Like we can probably look and get a clearer picture, but as it stands right now, I think Kentucky has a roster that I'm intrigued by. I think it's a better roster than what they had the last two years. Even let's say Oscar's not a part of it. I just think overall, I think the talent and the things that they can do in and, and the backcourt, like I've talked, I've had multiple discussions with you that I thought Kentucky's problems the last two years was a backcourt failed them down the stretch. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that due to injury. We know Kaysen wasn't hundred percent in the NCAA tournament. He gutted out a performance against K-State and almost willed him to a victory. But Oscar had, dominant numbers in the NCAA tournament and it did not win them basketball games. Like we were talking like first player since so-and-so and 50 years and this and that, and it didn't win you games, which goes to show you that guard play is what separates you. Right. And I think that Kentucky has a group of guards coming in that when push comes to shove by the end of the year, they have that dog in them. And I think Kentucky's backcourt will be significantly better and more prepared to kind of handle the weight of the postseason. That's why I'm okay with another year of Oscar Sheepway or Hunter Dickinson coming in Kentucky with a high usage rate. As I just think that those usage rates aren't going to be there because those guys in the backcourt are going to dominate the ball in their hands and make plays. Uh, I just, Jack just sent us a message. He's literally driving to get service. So it's, it's I love it. I love it. Cause I know he's got some more, some more scoop that he wants to get to That's So he's like trying to make it, make it happen. Um, yeah, that's what the sources do. They say, and they go wherever they have to go to say, Right. Jack has been with me on the road and me looking for a McDonald's to post the story uh, <laughs> in 2020, right before COVID shut down the season. So uh, I know this is uh, no surprise that Jack is trying to find <laughs> internet yeah. somewhere. He really makes Shelbyville sound like it's just out in the middle of nowhere, um, <laughs> which it's not. So, um, but I know, I know, there's got to be a McDonald's somewhere. You, you can't <laughs> yeah. go wrong with McDonald's Wi-Fi. No, star, there's going to be a Starbucks somewhere, right? Um, yeah, Starbucks, McDonald's, something. But yeah, we're just holding it down here. Let's see what's. Let's see. Uh, there's these uh, comments over here. Uh, Drew Franklin says McDonald's has the best Wi-Fi, um, so he's he's on board with that as well. Um, I agree. You know, the, there's this. I mean, I don't know that it's like the media's job to do this, but I will say that, like, you know, there's. There's becoming like where you start looking at the last several seasons and that we, we did it all last year where, man, it's like this, you got your guys. Now this is a season that you, you need to produce. I don't, and again, I'm not going to say final four championship or bust, but how about you do one of those? Like, how about you win the champions classic? Uh, How about you, how about you? How about you beat a couple top twenty-five teams this year? How about winning the SEC um, or 
winning a few games in the SEC tournament. You know what? It feels like it's been a long time since we saw Kentucky play in an SEC championship game, seeing Kentucky play on Selection Sunday. And it's and that was a very regular thing for a while. Um, well, so do like one of those. Like give Kentucky fans something to cheer for because it's been like 0-4 in like everything since, 20, since uh, 2020. At least they won the SEC uh, regular season well, that year. You know, this is a program that honestly has not fared well in the non-conference in not just the last two years, but really in, in years. Like you, you go back to the COVID season. They honestly, they didn't beat anybody hardly that year. But then a year ago, they lose to Duke in the Champions Classic, or two years ago, they lose to Duke in the Champions Classic. They they have their their other uh, moments there. They did beat Carolina in Vegas. They they beat um, Kansas on the road. I mean, they've had they've had success there. But in those early non-conference portion of the schedule, this is a program that's not done well. In a long time, even the Maxi and, and Hagens and Quickly team lost back-to-back games out there. They didn't they drop both of those games, Ohio State and Utah, if I'm not mistaken, in that season. And I'm 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 going to pass this back off to you, Jack. Let's stop talking negative because you have uh, you're a warrior. You have uh, driven yourself to somewhere to where hopefully you can uh, throw some scoop out here. Yeah, uh, what a freaking uh, there's a service outage in. Uh, Clearly just where I live because I'm at some random park down the street. So this is just fantastic. Um, uh, but, yeah, I had some stuff I wanted to get off my chest <laughs> instead of just giving up on the rest of the show. I said, screw it. I want to make this happen. So let's the show um, by discussing the possibility of Antonio Reeves coming back. I had uh, a, a very nice conversation this afternoon that makes me feel quite warm and fuzzy about the possibility of Antonio Reeves coming back, uh, Sean. He is going through the draft process. He has not talked to any teams as of yet. Um, they're not even. He has no feedback yet. Like they're not even uh, in the, the process of scheduling workouts or anything like that. Uh, but Antonio is operating under the assumption that he's going to go learn what he needs to fix going into this upcoming year, and in hopes of returning for, and becoming a first-round pick in a very weak 2024 draft class. Yeah. Uh, I think it's an amazing mindset. It's something that uh, I think Cal has been rooting for. He's kind of indirectly told Antonio, hey, man, we want you to be part of this July uh, Global Jam up in Toronto. We want you to be kind of the, the face of the organization. We know we have five incoming freshmen. We need you to be a complimentary piece to that next season in, the, in our backcourt. You're going to be an unbelievable, uh, val- val- valuable addition and, and returning piece to, to what we're working with. And I think Kentucky's in, in trending in a very, very nice spot. Uh, to get Antonio Reeves back. NIL has to be right. They're not going to make any guarantees, obviously, but um, they understand that they were trending in the right direction to close out this past season. The 37-point game in Fayetteville, uh, things were things were cooking at the right time. Obviously not at the, the last time uh, in, in the round of 32, but enough to where he is now a known commodity. That's going to push him over the edge in terms of NIL versus what he'd make uh, – he's not going to go to the G league and play it with the Fort Wayne mad ants. Like that's not something he has any interest in doing. And I think when push comes to chef, he'll be back in Lexington. So uh, we wanted to end the show on a very positive note after a really, really crappy couple of minutes. Yeah. Take it from someone who, uh, who had frozen food at the G league. That's not what you, you want to do. Right, Jack. Like we don't want to be eating with knives and things there like we did in, uh, in Greensboro, but no, like, 
we actually talked about that while you were gone. Somebody asked about how important is it for Antonio Reese to come back? And and I started talking about to me with, with what Kentucky has coming in with its backcourt, Jack, with, with DJ and, and Rob and, and Justin, and they, they have, they have talent, but that leadership role, that guy that's been through it. And I, I keep going back to that Arkansas game where he scored 37 and only made two threes. Like that's a dude that can score the basketball. And you add that to your roster, it gives you flexibility. You can, you can bring a guy like Rob off the bench and kind of be your, your offensive guy that just comes in and, Look, Rob's going to have his moments. We know that. He's going to come in. He's going to hit back-to-back shots, and Rob's going to go crazy. And then he's going to shoot one, and people's going to want to throw the remote at the TV at, at times. But it gives Kentucky options. It gives Cal flexibility. I would expect Reeves to start if he comes back for another season, and I think it would make a ton of sense. He'd be the veteran guy in that backcourt along whoever. And it gives Kentucky another guy that not only can play off the ball, but what do you think about this? I think this season at Kentucky for Reeves, he was asked to do some things that maybe he wasn't expected to do when he went through the recruiting process and made the decision to come to Kentucky, Mm -hmm. especially having to play point guard late in the season. And maybe in those moments, it wasn't the best thing, but having gone through that, how much more dynamic does that make him now coming back? A guy that has played that role and done those things it gives Kentucky options and it gives you another guy that can play with the ball in his hands or run off that floppy action that Kentucky does. And it, it just gives Cal options and flexibility and, and adds depth to Kentucky. I think it's an important one. I think it's one of the biggest ones of the offseason is his decision to, to, to return or not. And, and I appreciate Cal's mindset with this and, and you know, his approach with the family and, and just telling Antonio, I want you to go get this feedback. Teams like you. I mean, there there's uh, – uh, there's a lot of interest in Antonio Reeves as a, as a dynamic scorer. He does things that nobody else in college basketball can do. I mean, he's a truly elite three-level scorer. Yes, he struggles on the defensive end. Yes, there are some consistency struggles that need to be addressed and need to be worked on. But he does things that nobody else can do. And when push comes to shove, that is – unbelievably valuable for what this team is looking for next season. And, and uh, just from a veteran standpoint, when you have four guys that are going to play, four freshmen that are going to play a lot of minutes, you have to have vet leadership from somewhere. And that's part of the reason why I, even if CJ Frederick struggles with injury or doesn't play often or whatever the case is, you need those types of guys in the locker room to complement young pieces. And then that's something that Antonio's side is valuing a lot as well. They know that he's needed next year to, if Kentucky wants to take off, if that plane takes off and, and soars the way I think Cal hopes, you you got to have leadership from somewhere. And, and I think that's a conversation Cal has had with Antonio and his family. And it just said, look, you have a complimentary uh, from, from an age standpoint, from an experience standpoint, from a talent standpoint, you are the perfect complimentary piece of what look, they're looking for. There's a reason that Cal has not gone after any guards in the portal because they know Antonio is that guard is that guard. They don't need another guy. They feel that good about Antonio coming back. It, it's, he's getting the feedback and yes if if a team were to uh, guarantee him the moon and and things then cal will have to adjust accordingly but there's a mutual understanding even on antonio's side that he's not going to get it drafted he's like he's just not there's not going to be this lucrative guaranteed deal yeah. that come his way it's just not going to happen they know that there's going to be more more money waiting for him in lexington and 
you know, Kentucky needs to show the love and show that you're like, yeah, we, we're going to make you the face of, of this program. We're going to put you in position to make a lot of money with NIL. No, they're not, you know, but if, if there's a Jacob Toppin AT&T commercial possibility next season, let, you know, Antonio can be that guy. Let him kind of be the, the face of, of the program and, and, and help him out, make it worth his while to come back to Lexington from a money standpoint, role standpoint, no guarantees, but uh, he wants to be back. Just, Show him that love that, that he's he's wanted back, and I think I think it'll be done. I, I don't think there's any hesitation on Antonio's side that this will get done, and I think that's huge, huge news. It, it's massive news. Like it, it's, uh, we were talking about you know Chris's decision, you know to leave. I don't know if we got into that before you. No you idea. Got, so uh, you know his decision to to declare for the draft right after we ended the show a week ago, and and I was and and Stephen asked me what how how big of a factor does that play with Kentucky? And, and I actually was talking that I thought the decision for Ugo to come back would, would be bigger than Chris's coming back, just given that Kentucky doesn't have that rim protector on its roster. And I, and this is no knock on Chris. I just think the things that Chris would do and, and would love to see him a sophomore at Kentucky. I just think that it's easier to replace some of those things than it is what Reeves does or what, Ugo does or what Ugo can do on that, on that upside potential. And that, that's kind of the, the nature of the beast when it comes to roster construction, right? Like you, you can, it's some guys, it maybe it's easier to, to pitch in and, and feel what those guys did than it is other guys. And to me, Reeves is the guy that stands out and does things differently than anybody else that Kentucky could have in its backcourt. And that veteran presence is probably the, the deciding and pushing factor of why I'm such a big fan of another year of him at Kentucky. And I think that, Reeves in himself would help take a lot of pressure off of Rob, off DJ, off these other guys in this backcourt, just given that he's gone through this, has a season at Kentucky, and just the flexibility that he gave Cal this year with Sabir out and with Kaysen banged up down the stretch. Like The experience is a huge weapon, and the experience that he got playing different roles, whether it was the lead role or the off role, he went through a lot in that final five to six week, weeks of the season, and I thought he really grew up a lot in his one season at Kentucky. And I think another year, I mean, you're talking about, a, to me, honestly, I, I, not just a sixth man of the year, I think an all-SEC caliber caliber guy if he comes back. Yeah, I I, uh, I would expect that decision to be made at some point in May. Uh, again, he still wants to work out for teams, still get like, again, he hasn't even gotten the paperwork back from the NBA. says, here's what you are as a prospect. So it's still early. But their mindset going into this process is we know who we are as a, as a basketball player. We know that I am not a draftable person right now. Like, we're not on any draft boards. Like, they're, they're smart. They're a smart family. They know how they're, you know, navigating these pretty difficult waters. They're excited about the possibility of, uh, you know, getting good feedback and just knowing what they need to work on. But everybody involved is – they have common sense. They know that the money is going to be right in Lexington. They know – uh, the the value that he's going to bring, the, the how necessary he is on next year's roster. I, I think when push comes to shove, it just it, everything is pointing to Antonio coming back, and and that's just not even something that uh, I'm even going to stress about anymore. And I think it's pretty clear with Kentucky's recruiting efforts in the portal, they're not going after no. any other primary guards, ball handlers, and none of that. Uh, I will say, you know, guy, going after guys like Harrison Ingram and kind of those versatile four three kind of strong wings. 
Cal has expressed interest in those types of guys. And I think that is indicative of their mindset with Chris. And um, part of me, I've I've heard nothing to indicate that Chris is going to come back. There's a single person that's optimistic about that, about that possibility. Um, But he has made tough decisions in the past when he decided to go to Oak Hill versus staying at Butchel in, in Akron, where he was putting up 35 points a game and 15 rebounds. He made the difficult decision to go get coached hard at a, under a Hall of Fame coach in Steve Smith, uh, a difficult place to play in Oak Hill in the middle of nowhere in Virginia, uh, away from distractions. And I mean, it, it, you had to really get into the grind of that senior season to grow as a basketball player, and he did that. He made that tough decision. He also made that tough decision to go to Kentucky when everybody wanted him to go to Memphis and ever, you know, get the, as many touches as he wanted or Georgetown or even the G League. Take take the easier path. He has taken the tougher path. But I just uh, that, that's more so common sense talking and, and gut yeah. and then how he's actually operating with this process. I've just heard nothing to indicate that he's even strongly considering a return. And everybody I've talked to would be absolutely shocked if that were to unfold. But I think it's just look at how Cal is recruiting potential Antonio Reeves replacements. He's not versus potential Chris Livingston replacements. Yes, I, I think just you can kind of get in a look into Cal's mindset uh, with who he's going after and uh, yeah. Who, who else? And I guess I, my next question for you, Sean, uh, do you think you need to continue doing that? Uh, get, you know, depending on what happens with CJ Frederick. And I feel like you got to find a vet somewhere and it has to be at that three, four spot uh, to, to make me feel warm and fuzzy if, alongside Antonio Reeves. Yeah. If you could get a three and D guy, I think that that's probably what you're, you're looking at is the perfect filler for this roster to, to complete it, especially when it comes to what they already have. Uh, so I could see that being a role. I, whoever it is, I hope it's a guy that can consistently knock down the three. I think that that's important. You you need another guy that can stretch the floor and, and do, th- do some things from that spot, but also have the ability to not only play the three, but maybe have the size and the frame to slide and play the four, but also a skill set that, re- that when you're required to put the ball on the deck, you can do it. And I think that that's probably my one concern about Bradshaw playing the four would be him having to make some plays off the bounce and, and doing some things. So I, I do think that when you're talking about adding a portal piece, I do think that shopping and looking in the portal for a guy that can slide and have the versatility to play three, four, but can shoot it and defend. And I mean, I, that's, a, that's a hard thing to ask, right? Like you're, you're, I'm sitting here talking about a guy that can handle it, shoot it and defend. That's a lot. But if you can get two of the three, then I think that you you look at it and say, okay, let this guy fits. But obviously it all depends on what some, you know, talking about Livingston and that decision. But ever since he announced that a week ago, I've kind of ruled him out of being on this roster next season. I've kind of just shifted my mindset to he won't be here. And what can Kentucky do to, to finalize and, and put all these pieces together? And the fact that there was even a discussion because nothing about his statement indicated that he was even considering returning. I mean, it was like, on to the next. I yeah. appreciate it. It was a dream come true to come to Kentucky. Uh, I am going to explore the NBA draft. Everybody have a nice day. It was like, oh, we don't even know. Like, everything that I heard going into the process was that he was going to test the waters. But then when the statement came out, it was like, well, wait a minute. That doesn't sound That's like not testing he- at all. That's that's <laughs> jumping in the waters. <laughs> Sounds like he did test. Like, the, the test was, I'm doing it. Um, so, it is what it is. Maybe 
his mind changes and maybe the feedback is just so bad during the the, the, the process that he says, oh, man, my, maybe maybe I jumped the gun with my optimism about myself and thinking that I was something better than I was at, at that point in my career. That could be a possibility, but it's, uh, I, I'll have to see it to believe it. Um, Sean, I guess before we get out of here, the, the question I have for you, it's been a unbelievably busy recruiting weekend for John Calipari uh, made four stops in four days to go see four different recruits started out to see Flory Bedunga uh, flew down to Texas to see Trey Johnson then flew up to the Northeast saw Ahmad Noel a teammate of Justin Edwards at Emotep uh, Charter uh, and then went over the 15 minute drive made that to, to go visit Billy Richmond a fi- uh, four-star wing in the class of 2024 uh, while also obviously seeing DJ and uh, and Aaron and, and Justin and those spots stops as well, but clearly recruiting like a guy who's going to be here in the class of 2024 when that, that 2024, 2025 class rolls around. So uh, I thought that was pretty interesting that he's hitting the ground pretty hard right now, uh, trying to get some pieces to kind of lay the groundwork of that 2024 class. Yeah. That's encouraging to see, right. That you're, that's he, he's putting all that effort into that class. Also made a stop at an NBA game and uh, watched Tyrese Maxey. So he, he looks, seems to be energized and out doing what he needs to be doing and, and doing his job and going to work. And we know that there's, they posted that uh, coaching position and, and made it public and available. So we know that that is in the works. And at some point we'll have that news too. Like there's still a lot of things to fall into place over the course of the next month. And when you were out looking for signal or service, uh, I was talking about that I'm, I'm guessing mid-May is when we're going to be able to kind of sit down and really wrap this thing up and, and say, okay, this is what Kentucky's roster looks like. Uh, are they are they a Final Four contender on paper? Are they a national championship contender on paper? Do they do they have enough to to get over the hump and, and do some things? I'm I'm putting my birthday's May 12th. I'm saying somewhere after that week, 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th. That's usually when we can kind of sit down and go, okay, this is Kentucky's roster. This is their coaching staff. What do you think? And that's that's kind of how I'm viewing the, the timetable and, and the time frame for these decisions to play out. And, and you brought up the, the coaching decision change and and uh, uh, that job opening now the for, for Al staff. Um, I've been digging all week long. Um, they are not speaking that thing. Uh, I, I've been told that that they have somebody in mind, and it's something that should be announced relatively soon. Uh, but I think Cal is trying to keep this very, very close to vest. And uh, I have heard no updates whatsoever on an actual name of who, who they're leaning and all that. Uh, maybe it happens in the coming days. But uh, the, the closest that I got to actual scoop on that is that uh, we should be hearing something shortly. So um, I guess my, my question to you is, what are you hoping to see with that decision? Um, pretty interesting, the job application specified scouting that he that Cal wanted somebody with an expertise in scouting admittedly something that has not been good enough uh, on this current staff and, and not taken seriously enough they went out of, Cal went out of his way to include that in the job description I think there's a reason for that I actually know there's a reason for that um, wh- what are you kind of big picture hoping to see out of this decision a, a guy that can kind of dip his feet into different pools on the staff. And that's what the job description stated pretty much, right? You're, you're talking multiple roles. And to me, that means 
it's going to be somebody with some experience that's probably worn a lot of different hats at some point in his career. Has, has he been a head coach? Has he not been a head coach? Uh, has he, he obviously has some experience in scouting at some degree, I would say. And whether that be, I mean, obviously we're talking game planning and, and things like that too. Like that's, to me, that's going to be a vital thing for, for the staff and, and stuff. And uh, you, you want to see these defensive numbers improve significantly too. Like that's something that's dipped in recent years. I know Tony Barbie handled a lot of that a lot of that scout and stuff and game planning in the past. So is that something that Cal's looking for as well? Uh, to me, I want to see a guy that when we look at his coaching pedigree and we see it doesn't have to be multiple stops, but stops where he's had some success and a lot of experience doing a lot of different jobs, whether that be on-court coaching, scouting, recruiting, it doesn't matter. But I think uh, a guy that is diverse when it comes to what his jobs have been and a guy that has some fire about him. I yeah. think that that's the thing that I'm looking for. And honestly, to do all those things that that job description has, you got to have some fire about you and you got to have some motivation. And I, I think that that's the thing that Cal's looking for. Is it going to be a familiar friend, someone he's familiar with? That's the the look that Cal has went with multiple times. I don't know, Jack. It, it might not be this time. Like it might be, it might be a different route. It might be a guy that maybe someone else has referred to Cal. That's where I'm leaning. Uh, I, I think there's a reason why uh, there's a reason why Josh Pastner leaked. There's a reason why Derek Kellogg leaked. There's a reason why uh, the the names that were kind of tossed out there is kind of you, you know what would be the reaction of, of this. And and Cal doesn't care about the the PR of it. But from a common sense perspective, like I, I think he understands that the bringing in my buddies to keep modernizing this game and moving forward as the gold standard of college basketball. Like, I think he understands that that's not the way to go. And I think that there was some pushback and I was told like during the process, there was some like, dude, no, come on now. Like some of the, the names that, that were being tossed around, not, not what we are, we need to be looking toward. And uh, I, I think that has pushed him to be, get a little bit more creative what that creativity means, I have no idea because I don't have uh, any new options. Um, I threw out the Link Academy head coach last uh, last show, and it didn't get much traction. There, there was some talk about that, but uh, he always factors in ties and, and you know, so, somebody to hit the ground running in Texas or in the Northeast, Philly, New Jersey area. But honestly, I wouldn't mind him. You know, Cal has the Northeast locked up pretty tight like the new jersey area and the philly area like he has that uh, on lock and key yeah i'd like to go back to texas but with how many guys he's recruited out of texas he's kind of developed a a pretty significant pool of connections down there i'd almost like to see i, I don't want to say a west coast guy or a florida guy or something you know a different area that kentucky hasn't necessarily been hitting maybe not west coast because kentucky has really struggled hitting on west coast kids and maybe that's definitely not the path to go down but but to, to kind of add to the pipeline of different areas and, and maybe, I don't know, that, may, that that's kind of just thinking out loud here. Is, is, it, is it bad that I'm not factoring recruiting into this one being a huge thing for me? Like, because when you is got it, Don, I mean, when, Cal, when you got John Calipari, you can recruit yourself, right? Like, yes. and you know, at the end of it, like I'm looking at this thing and saying, and does Cal go, does Cal go an NBA guy? Does Cal go a guy that has had some, some run in the league? with the modern basketball look and, and some things. And when it comes to scouting and, 
a guy that gets lost in film and gets lost in game planning and evaluating. Like that's where I think that you could get a significant thing on your, on your coaching staff and and a dynamic and something different is a a guy that enjoys digesting and breaking down film and not afraid to throw out ideas and scouts. And how about this too? Like scout your own guys. This is what your weakness is. Scout your own guys and know what their weaknesses are and and things like I look, there's so many tools and, and things that are available now to coaches in the game of basketball that you can never have enough. And if you can get a guy that has a ton of experience in a lot of different areas, I, I think that that's what you're looking for in this hire. And it doesn't have to be a guy that's a, a home run name that everybody knows. And as long as his pedigree is, is successful and the, the, the people that he's worked for and the places that he's been have had success, I, I think that this could be one that Cal could get creative with. And I would love to see him, not just look at college basketball, look in the NBA. Is there a guy in a franchise somewhere right now around the league that's just waiting for a greater role in some capacity? Is, is that something that, that that this job could be for them? So I'm intrigued by it, and I want to see where Kentucky goes You know, with it. And I think we've lost Jack again. And uh, maybe get him back to wrap this thing up. I am not Jack Pilgrim, but um, we will try to get him back again. Uh, man, he's credit Jack. Here he's, he's back. He's on. A, is this a different side of the car? I can't. Tell. Is that what happened? <laughs> hey, hey, Sean. Remember what happened with your phone last time? Yep. Overheated. <laughs> It's something you don't really understand until you truly experience it. I mean, I think it's hot, doesn't it? I, I mean, you just can't make this stuff up. I mean, at this point, I got nothing. Uh, what were thing. you, what were you saying before I was so uh, rudely departed once again? I was saying that is there a guy in the NBA somewhere that Cal could take a look at that maybe a name that not a lot of people know? around college basketball, but is just kind of waiting for that bigger role and that that opportunity for, for his career to do. And, look, I, I'm talking like a guy that scouts not just the opposing teams and game plans, but scout your own team too. Like scout your own players and, and help these guys. And Look, scouting your own players I think is such a significant thing to do. And, you know, I've done it with my own kids, watching film and, and scouting and breaking down their weaknesses and their strengths. And I know that, that I'm sure that goes on in collegiate programs, but I just think getting a guy that loves to watch film and and things like that and is willing to grind for whatever that next opportunity is in his career, I think that's the perfect hire in the spot because you don't have to go out and get a lead recruiter. You got a lead recruiter. You got the best in the game in John Calipari. You don't have to go get that. So check that box and completely throw it off the, the thing. And to me, connections are connections. And if John Calipari – wants a guy in Florida and he's willing to put in the work, I think Cal can get a guy in Florida. If he wants to put in the work and get him on the West Coast, I, I think that Cal could could swing that one too. But look at the NBA where the game has – we know that has been modernized quicker than the collegiate game and stuff. And is there a guy that's in his late 30s or early 40s that has put in a ton of time, that has had a ton of success in a lot of different roles 
is that where John Calipari looks with this hire? And if it, if he does, Jack, I think it shows some stepping outside the box and getting creative and maybe doing something that he's not accustomed to doing, which this many years into his career and this far into his tenure at Kentucky, I don't think would be a bad thing. Yeah, and for all of that Cal has done with putting guys in the NBA and the way he's given back to the league – I feel like there should be some return there, you know. Like, I mean, yeah, he, take one he, out, right? <laughs> even gave Kenny Payne a spot in the league, and and he kind of presented that opportunity. It was a great match for uh, the Knicks organization at that point. Like, I feel like that's the least that some giving NBA team would, you know, kind of like the Liam Cohen model in football. Somebody that might not be ready for the big jump in the NBA, but somebody that is clearly proven that he has the goods from an X's and O's standpoint. You could get really creative. There's a lot of talent in terms of coaching and scouting and front office people in the league that uh, there's some, there, there, there are some pots of gold to tap in. I think uh, it, there, it, in some, some area with some franchise, there's gotta be. There are brilliant minds sitting on the end of a bench or the first row behind a bench with an iPad in their hand. There's some brilliant minds yeah. that that I think that if given an opportunity or a chance, there's a lot of potential there. And, look, those those guys know the game just as well as anyone does because they evaluate it analytically and everything else and, and crunch numbers and, and break it down. And I think a, a numbers cruncher guy, too, could really do, do some things for – for this program and just thinking outside the box, like you, you've got your guys there. You, you've got Orlando Antigua, who we know is, is number two. And, and you've got, you know, John Calipari, you know, as the head man and, you know, Chin Coleman's there and, and Bruiser's still in a role. Like you're not lacking in that department, but if you can get a guy that does some things that maybe will challenge the entire staff as a whole to think outside the box and maybe try some new things that, and look at one point, we knew that John Calipari was always ahead of the game and what was trendy. And I think there became a point where he wasn't ahead of the game when it came to what was on the floor in the game. Go get a guy that can maybe get you back ahead of it. And maybe Kentucky does some different things and, and steps out and, and takes a different model and approach to it. And I'm intrigued by it. Like if he ends up going with a familiar face, then sure, you make it work. But I, I'm interested to see what Cal does with this spot because I think it's a it's an opportunity to to think outside the box and do something different. And and why not? Why not take a shot on somebody? And uh, we'll see some names popping out at some point. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, looking at the comments section, uh, unfortunately, I haven't been able to get a lot of them because I have barely even been able to be on this show. In the first Are you one. on the other side of the car, by the way? Of course I am. Cause I'm in the shade. I I'm having to get as creative <laughs> as I've ever been on this damn show. It's uh, just what it is, what it is. Um, yeah. Somebody said, I thought Jack was getting a uh, fiber. Yeah, I did too. I, I really did too. That, that would have been really great. Uh, at the, right about now, as I'm sitting at some Shelbyville downtown park, I don't even know where I don't uh, help people don't call the cops on me because I'm a, some random stranger sitting in his car at a public park. I don't know. A um, couple questions. Uh, Andrew Bates asked about CJ. Uh, no official update on CJ. I was told that he's like even considering like overseas route and, and you know, even if wh- who would be interested in the portal and what kind of options would uh, be there. I, I, I'm leaning more toward him returning to basketball in general, which I was not convinced of 
uh, to close the regular season. We were both in that locker room listening to him and watching him in tears talk about, you know, his legacy as a basketball player and said, I know I laid it all out there and uh, all those sorts of things. I am thinking, talking to people around CJ, that that he is uh, definitely getting that itch to play again. It's just about where. And a lot of questions like, okay, if he were to come back, what is what would his role be? And those sorts of questions are starting to come back because I think they're seeing the numbers crunch of where would he fit in and, and how many minutes would he be able to get. So that's definitely something to keep in mind. Um, wouldn't rule out overseas. Wouldn't rule out a – I think he's just kind of taking this day by day. Um, people around the program thought at one point that, that, that they were feeling pretty good about him coming back, coming back, and it's kind of just gotten pretty quiet since then, which isn't necessarily a great thing for those hoping for him to come back. But uh, I don't know. I think he's just kind of letting his body tell him what he needs to do. And uh, it, it sucks because we didn't get to see C.J. Frederick be C.J. Frederick this past year. I don't think, Sean. I think that's something that I think even on his end, he'd like to see, you know, prove that he can do it at this level because there was so much doubt and, you know, everybody calling him soft and all this nonsense about his game and all that, that he couldn't play at this level and all that. Like, I think there's a part of part of him that kind of has that competitive factor of, I want to prove that I can do it while also acknowledging that there might just be a numbers crunch and he doesn't want to come back to play three minutes, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think that he has an interesting decision as well. And if he's able to be healthy this off season, I think that's a factor into it because if he's able to go through the summer healthy and, and things, then it's been a while since he's been able to do that, right? Like he's, he's rehabbed for a long, long time and no one wants to go out the way he did. I mean, he, he played through a lot of pain there at the end of the year. A lot of dudes were on Kentucky's roster. And uh, if you can, if you can get him in a role and, and add some more insurance, another shooter that can, can buy you some minutes if needed, then why not? Right? Like there's going to be a spot on that roster. There's going to be available scholarships. Fill them. We, we used to talk all the time that Cal didn't fill his scholarships out. So if you can fill it with a guy like CJ Frederick, who I think can benefit your program, not just from an on-court role, but a leadership role, off it as well and in the locker room i think that it, it's a good thing for both sides uh john evitt says collins please come uh, aj stevens any word on collins um there was a rumor out on twitter i don't know if you saw this about something about his grandfather passing i didn't i, I haven't heard from them specifically or anybody around uk that brought up that possibility if so i mean holy crap i mean i that would just be a disaster and, and just one thing after another in his life. And I just couldn't even imagine that. I, I'm praying that that's wrong. That, that, that would be a, a absolute nightmare, but um, his decision is complicated. And, and people I've talked to around UK say that it, they would be absolutely shocked if he was back in Lexington. I am not expecting it in the slightest. Um, I know it sucks because he is such a high potential guy and, and it would suck to see him go to an SMU or a Houston or somebody down in Texas and have him explode and kind of finally unlock all of the potential that he has. But uh, I, I think that there's just this understanding that yes, he's developed a brotherhood and a bond with people around the program in Lexington, but it's just not the same as actually physically being there for your mom and your sisters and the people, your immediate family, the, your, your actual blood that desperately needs you right now. 
God forbid the the news about his grandfather isn't true either. But if that's the case, even more so. Um, yeah. I'm still not expecting Damien back, and and uh, I think that the staff is operating under that same assumption. Why has there not been an announcement yet? That I that I do not know. Um, but nobody has indicated anything to the contrary to me uh, around the program. Yeah, let, let's hope that's not true for sure. Like, Lord, hope not. But yeah, with with Damien, that's uh. He's another one of those decisions that, that we're kind of looking at here with, uh, you know, where it goes and maybe kind of surprised at this point that we haven't heard something, but I don't know. Like, uh, that's why I keep saying mid-May. Mid-May is when I uh, kind of look at this thing being wrapped up and done. When is the when is the portal deadline? Ooh, I wish I had it in front of me, but unfortunately I have no notes. You have me and me only. So that might be a Steven question if he can pull that up. Um, Seems like the first of May, right? Is it the first of May somewhere through there? Is that that is that seem right or is it later? It feels later, I think. I but that does. I don't know. There's so many different deadlines that we usually have ingrained into our brains, Mm -hmm. but with this show as it is today, (laughs) I think we can. I think uh, we have shown our ability to dip our toes in different pools. And wear different hats today. There you might started be the a show. Public pool here, actually, I, I have no idea. There's a porta potty <laughs> right next door to me. I mean, there's yeah. Uh, go think... go dip your toes in that. Let's see how that I, works out I, for I, you. That's kind of how I feel that right now. But feels, we feels like you I'm started this you, you started this show in your office, and then you somehow I think moved to a different area of your home, and then you went mobile on me, and now you're in a park. I'm versatile. And yeah. I mean, you can play the one, two, the three, the four, and maybe even the five. A lot of people saying uh, May 11th is the portal deadline. So that that's, I mean, that's almost that a full runs, month. Almost a full month of yeah time which, to decide whether or not. And I mean, sh- that is right around the time that you start getting into the nitty gritty of. So the, the combine is midway through May. So that first week of May is kind of when you start talking to teams and getting more in depth and having the the real sit down meetings before the combine Uh, that that makes, you know, a lot of people that are trying to, you know, testing the draft waters are going to test it and then get immediately told that they have no business being in the draft, go back to school, and then they will quickly decide to hit the portal and there's gonna be a whole new wave of other uh, talent to keep keep an eye on so uh, and plenty of time and that's why i keep throwing out that deadline of mid to late may like the 8 17th 18th 19th that's why i keep coming back to that's where i'd look for this roster to to kind of be shaped and what it's going to be and, and and probably coaching staff by that point too because look jack we know workouts and players arrive on campus there early june late may early june and then they're playing basketball a month later so i mean there's kentucky basketball in about two and a half, less than three months. How, how excited are you for that? I know we're, we're going way over. I'm, I'm all kind of just adding to time to make up for my loss, <laughs> driving aimlessly through Shelbyville, watching my bars go up and, and go in here. But um, the, the official dates for that Global Jam got announced, and I was told that they will be announced publicly on Friday, um, the, you know, the press release and all that stuff with you know Cal announcing it and all that stuff that's going to come on Friday. Um, mid-July, an opportunity to play really, really impressive talent for this team, especially with so many young, some young pieces. How important is it for them to kind of get this early test? 
I, I think it's very important. Um, I thought with the roster they had coming back this past year with so many veteran pieces coming back that that wasn't the roster that needed the trip. I, I think one like this one is the one that needs it because of all those new faces that you're talking about, all those freshmen. And then, two, given the way that the, the seasons have ended the last two years with not deep runs, I think getting Kentucky basketball on your screen and giving fans something to be excited about it's good for the program. It's good PR for the program, but especially these young guys like DJ and, and Rob and Justin and, and, and Bradshaw and, and whatever Kentucky's roster looks like, Jack, I think it's good for them to get a taste of it, what, three or four months before it's officially part of Kentucky basketball, before they ever play an official game and put it in the books. And we don't know what that schedule is going to look like, but I have a feeling it's going to have some some tough non-conference matchups there and maybe some ones in road environments that we – haven't seen before, depending on what they decide to do between the SEC and, and ACC and everything there. That does start this year, right? If I'm not mistaken, like yeah, K- Kentucky and Duke are like that. That's my guess. Like we're we're either going to Cameron Indoor or Duke's coming to Rupp. That would be my guess. And so, uh, getting that basketball against good quality competition, competition that can and probably will beat them at, at points throughout that trip. I, I think that that's, that's going to be good and it's going to be fun and exciting for the fans and the players too. And for us that gets to cover this program and gives us a look at them. Well, uh, it's been uh, an eventful one. I guess uh, P- Patrick Dunn, before we get out of here, says, does anybody know if he has been or anyone televised as well with them? It wasn't this past year. Uh, they had it streamed, I think like Sportsnet or something, had it streamed uh, online, but it's Kentucky and they never miss an opportunity to televise a University of Kentucky game, especially when they're dying for content and, and you know, opportunity to fill time on television. They always figure out a way. Uh, so I'd be absolutely shocked if the SEC Network or somebody doesn't uh, make a run for it. But last year it was streamed. So worst case scenario, it'll be streamed by somebody to be able to get your eyes uh, and ears on it. But uh, I, I would be absolutely shocked if they don't make some type of make that happen. But I guess we'll see. We uh, let's go on it. I wish I had my Andy Ludicky and uh, my perfect franchise. I, I don't have my long spiel, but he's great. Go go uh, make make sure you uh, go to him and, and uh, I, it is what it is, man. Just today was what it was. I'll, I'll do a double double ad read next time. I know even last time I was like uh, sucks that I had to wait till the end of the show to do it, but unfortunately. Circumstances are what they are, but shout out to Andy Ludicky. He is the absolute best at myperfectfranchise.net. Um, John, let's end this absolute uh, well, fun, you, fun show. You almost, you almost witnessed me passing out because somebody walked up to my window just now. It scared me to death, me sitting here. So let's, well, if you saw me, if you, if you saw me look over really funny, like, startled me. Oh yeah, Let's we'll get out uh, of here we'll, before something bad happens. <laughs> we'll be better next time, I swear. I, I'm. We'll, we'll see at this point when this stupid internet comes because I absolutely hate every second of it. So, uh, anyway, Sean, where can fans find your work? You can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry. Find me on Twitter as well at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email JPilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. With that, we'll be back next time for their Jam Pack Sources Say podcast. We will see you then. Thank <laughs> you.